Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Enter Kerr with 62 minutes on the clock. A bursting solo run with three defenders in trail. Unsure how to curb or curtail Australia's number 20. As all were making their calculations, Kerr pulled up suddenly and took her shot seemingly well ahead of time and miles outside the box. That ball flew straight into folklore. That ball travelled in near suspended animation, scorching into the top left corner of the net. It was a shot so beautiful as to be captured in verse. It was a shot so surgical as to be studied by science. It was Kerr's gift to the World Cup. And in the stadium, around the live sites, and in every lounge room, we all marvelled at its sheer wonder. Now there's a break here. Sam Kerr can run at Millie Bright. Sam Kerr continues on. Into the box. Kerr strikes! Lisa has her pocket picked, and here's Sam Kerr. She's going to need some support. Kerr running at Bright. Kerr with a shot. Oh, I say that's incredible! There is no sports person in Australia, male or female, to top Sam Kerr right now. Para Kerr, mano a mano, 50 metros del arco. Kerr, le aparece el por izquierda. Oh, how's the bloody Spaniard? <laughs> uh, Australia's World Cup loss is not to be mourned for the result. It's to be celebrated for the journey it gave us. The World Games taken on new life, Bryce Gibbs, and ignited passions in some people that they've never felt. So let's get behind the Tillies for the last leg of their World Cup journey. But for what is really just the beginning of a joyous adventure for all of us. And someone who I love to uh, have a few joyous adventures with is my good friend, Bryce Gibbs. Good morning. Where were you, mate, when that happened? Good morning, Tom. And, geez, what about you just taking over with a um, bit of an audio piece, a uh, auditorial, yeah. if you don't mind, to, to start this morning's show? Oh, Haven't you come a long way this year? Well, you know what? In honesty, like what gives me the tingles every single time is when I hear Australians on the international stage and I hear it in other languages being commentated or or just English commentators doing soccer because it feels like they're giving us the credit we deserve. You know, it's not just us pumping up our own people. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. You've just totally disregarded what I just said to you then. I was uh, thought I was listening to Jared Waitley. But, uh, <laughs> it was our very own Tom Lyon here on Saturdays yeah, in yeah. SA. But uh, no, you're spot on. And uh, I was watching it on the couch uh, along with about 11 million other people yeah. across the nation. So smashing all kinds of records, yes. Tom. And 
Oh, I know we we just fell short, but we played a pretty good side. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, uh, but are they the best side in it, England? They're in the top couple, still in the comp. Yes, yeah. Leading into this tournament, they're in the top couple, and we uh, after a bit of a slow start. The first half was a little bit dull. I thought mm. so. We sort of played a bit more of a defensive game, but uh, once they started attacking more, um, we looked a, a lot more dangerous. And mm. yeah, uh, the cream rose to the top in the end. Uh, the Poms taking the win, but uh, take nothing away from our Matildas. They've been uh, so so good in this tournament. Yeah, they've been amazing, and they've changed. You know, you felt a change in people's perspectives, like they've changed the way everyone views the world game and women's soccer. So hopefully uh, the government makes a few more investments in those grassroots levels and, you know, to go so well off the back of barely any investment in the game shows like imagine, you know, what we could do if they poured a bit more money into it. Well, I think that's that's the next step, isn't mm. it? You know, funding for um, facilities and change rooms and upgrades uh, across the nation so that uh, young, aspiring uh, girls that uh, want to you know, play soccer um, have got the, the option to do that. So uh, I think we've, we've been terrific as a nation to, to get behind the Tillies and uh, that just speaks volumes with the, the record a crowd attendance yeah. that we've smashed at this World Cup. Obviously, the the TV ratings have gone through the roof, and and that's only going to hold us in good stead, Tom, for future campaigns for World Cups and and other tournaments because uh, we've done such a good job. So well done to everyone, but it's not over yet. We've no. still got a game tonight against the Swedish, uh, playing for third spot. So um, although it was disappointing, the girls would have had to, you know. Regroup, bounce back, and uh, I've still got one more game to finish off this tournament. Just hearing a very, very gently our producer for today, Inga, in my headphones, saying, uh, I couldn't quite get it, but some form of investment has just been announced. $28 million dedicated to female sporting facilities from the Malinowskis government. So there you go. That's... Uh, Good timing from Peter. He knows how to work the PR machine. Old old Petey, doesn't he? Bryce? He doesn't do much wrong in our eyes here on this no, show. No, he knows Valley, so how to be good, popular. Good friend of the shows. And, yeah. Uh, he has just taken this opportunity to uh, continue to yeah. invest in sport here in South Australia. Got an incredible rig as well, Peter Malinowskis. Speaking of rigs, did you see last night, Devin Robertson got his top pulled off. And it's the longest duration I've ever seen. A play, he just played topless for a few minutes. Well, let's be frank. If you had the setup of Devin Robinson, he's got an incredible he rig. Had, he had the, the six pack, <laughs> the big Brisbane shoulders, yeah, and the tan to yeah. go with it. Mind you, I don't reckon I would have been put my shirt on I if I didn't have to. I reckon he. Uh, established about 20,000 new female followers <laughs> overnight due to that uh, top tearing off. And, and you see the way he just threw it. He went, oh, screw this. I'm done with wearing clothes. And what about when the trainer or the physio tr was trying to run out and give him a, a new Guernsey? He kept avoiding him. He kept running the other way. Yeah, he, yeah. I don't know if no, he wanted no. to put it on. No, well, what, as if you scenes. wouldn't. It was, that was extraordinary. You're sounding extraordinary. You had, you had a big week, Bryce. What was the disease you caught this week? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not um, hungover or anything, Tom. But, uh, thanks for picking that. I've had a shocker, to be honest. I, yeah, I you've picked it all up. I caught conjunctivitis, believe it or not, yeah. during, early in the week. So and where did he God knows how What area of your body does that go? That goes straight to your eye. So, yeah. Um, 
gunky eye waking up in the morning. I'm like, where's this come from? Like, seriously, who's been sitting on my pillow? You know, that's a, that's a real toddler disease. Oh, but the kids didn't catch it. The kids yeah. have been fine. So I'm like, what is going on here? So spent a couple of days at home, had the eye drops, you yeah. know, smashing them for the last couple of days, and then have woken up this morning all blocked up and I feel like I'm coming down <laughs> with the cold or the flu. I haven't left the house for three days. Do you like, remember what goes on? Earlier this year, I had a gigantic eye and it was like closed over. And it was because I'd gone to sleep on my pillow and now people laugh and they go, this is from, um, you know, someone farting on your pillow. (laughs) (laughs) My eye got sealed shut and it was gigantic for a whole week. Like I, I couldn't see a thing. I was blinded. And yeah, a lot of people laughing at me about that. So that was fun. So it's all good stuff. Yeah. Later in the show, Bryce, we're talking World Cup ahead of the Matildas bid for a third placing. And our expert, Lysia Carnavas, Carnavas, is going to join us. She's on the call team, former Matilda, brilliant, astute soccer mind she has. Uh, another friend of the shows, and yeah. we've had her on a couple of times, and yeah, she she speaks very well, knows her stuff, and real looking forward to seeing her thoughts on uh, how we're going to attack this this last game of our World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. And Josh Jenkins, former Crow, and now Essien uh, Star, we'll call him, has some views, and he's going to jump on a bit later in the show to forecast ahead, look at what's going to happen this round and how the finals are going to uh, play out. We also are going to obviously preview the Crows games. Interesting decision from the club during the week uh, Rory Sloan signed a contract I I got we're in the opinion game here Bryce I'm just going to put this out there that I, I just don't think it was the right decision for the club to sign him another year because they've got these younger midfielders like Sam Berry and Harry Schoenberg who needs a bit more time in the middle Luke Pedler these sorts of types that I feel like he hinders their progress well, it's, a, it's an interesting debate, isn't it, Tom? And <laughs> yeah. depends which way you look at it. So you're of the opinion he, he might be taking away some precious minutes and minutes of, of these young guys coming through. And they've they've played the, the young card, haven't they? The real the rebuild card, that's been a focus for them for a couple of years now. So now they're saying that they've done that. They've got the right pieces in mm. place. So maybe it's time we hold on to some leadership. So what yeah. Rory Sloan does give you in and away from game day, his leadership and his uh, professionalism that he would show these young kids. There'd be none better, right? The the sticking point with Rory Sloan, he's been terrific this year in terms of coming back from an ACL injury and and he's played every game, I think, this year and and hasn't, he's not, his best has obviously passed him. So he's more of a role player now Mm. uh, and, you know, still picking up his 15 to 20 touches and and doing, you know, the hard things, which, which he's been doing his whole career. Yeah. So the the interesting and sticking point potentially could be Mm. next year. If he is struggling for form, what do they do with him? If they would have had that conversation with him that you're not guaranteed to play every game and yeah. you might have to play some Sanford footy. So if he's prepared to go back and do that, it can be tough. He's, he's obviously still thinks he's got a bit of footy left in him, but yeah. if he gets the tap on the shoulder mm. from Nixie to say, look, mate, you're out of form a bit. You're going to have to go to the Sanford. You might not get in for a couple of weeks. How, how does that look? I don't know. I just yeah. think he's been such a champion for such a long time. Will that just take the shine off towards the end of his career if he spent, you know, half to majority in the Sanford side? I don't know. Yeah. Next year? 
I think Sloan's view is he probably doesn't care about that. He just wants to be he'll involved. Ba- he'll back him in, yeah. himself in, sorry, and will be aiming to play all 22 games. There's yeah. no doubt about that. But unfortunately in this game, Tom, it doesn't wait for you. And no, as you no. get older, it gets a little bit harder each year and uh, you, you certainly do slow down. So, mm. uh, I mean, it'd be an interesting watch. But if he's prepared to do that and still, you know, his attitude's never going to waver yeah. regardless. So. Uh, I just I just hope that it doesn't end a little bit sour in the end for Rory Sloan because what he's done for the Adelaide Footy Club mm. and the AFL world in general yeah. is an absolute superstar and, and one of my favourites. Yeah, m- mine too. I just think he, if he's willing to cop a few sample games, maybe play 10 games, possibly some as a sub, and inject his leadership, that's probably about right for mine. And he's a world-class leader. Like, the Crows need to, whatever happens with his playing, they need to hold on to him regardless afterwards as a development coach and whatever else he brings because he's fantastic for the club. I just worry that if he's there and ready, they may pick him over a Sandbury at times when, you know, that could be precious time for him. So an interesting question for the phone line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Let us know, do you think uh, the Crows should have signed Rory? Or if you're a Rory advocate and uh, he's going to deliver next year, let us know on one three hundred seven three six seven three six or 0427 Bryce, we are here in SENSA's Studio Lumo at number one King William Street and powered by Lumo Energy SA. And City Discount Tyres, four-wheel drive tyre deals are on now. Up next, Bryce, bit of a week that was. We're going to talk about uh, a few champions uh, leaving the game. Paul Seedsman, one of them. And Jack Rewalt, another one. But you've got a, a slight bee in your bonnet about the way it's being reported. Sometimes they can they can sort of step on toes, the journalism, the way they do it, can't they? Yeah, I just picked up something during the week and uh, it was just a question to pose and we'll, yep. uh, we'll dive into it straight after this. Okay, Bryce has got a question for you. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yeah, good morning. Good to have your company this morning. Tom Lyon, Bryce Gibbs with you on the text line on 0427 154 166. This one from Brett. Jared Waitley's commentary during this World Cup was so cringeworthy, like putting sugar on top of ice cream. It was over the top. I I would strong disagree with that. It's the romanticism, Bryce. He's just captured... He's captured the feelings of a nation. Yeah, he has. He's one of the best in the business. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's, Sorry, Brett. He's all right. Brett's uh, a regular. And one from Daniel here. Come on, Tom. The Crows list profile means they can afford to keep older blokes. In the end, it could end up like a Scotty Thompson situation in 2017, playing in the twos. His leadership is worth keeping regarding Rory Sloan's new contract. Yeah, yep. Yeah, good good point, Daniel. Yeah, we are asking on 1300 736 736. That's 1-300-736-736 if you didn't get that. A couple of tips from our producer, Inga, today. Oh, by the way, we, so we've got a new producer today, Bryce. I'm surprised our producer, Jace is even awake right now because we have a meeting every single week, right? We say Friday... 9.30, we'll catch up for a chat. Jace is the producer of the show, so he needs to be across everything. 9.30 every Friday, I catch your face and we go, where's Jace? What's he doing? And he's asleep. 
Does he give a shit? He's working <laughs> to the bone. Uh, his, his producer yeah. Jace, he's uh, he's reading the news today. I yeah. think across that's his the voice nation. on the news. So uh, yeah, he's he's working hard. But uh, the lovely Inga's stepped in and uh, doing a fine job this morning. Absolutely, Bryce. So I wanted to ask you during the week. So we've had Jack Rewalt retire. Few big names retire, haven't we? Yes, we have. Tom. <laughs> I'm, you got a list there? What am I doing? Um, Buddy's also been announced. He's going to have a lap of honour. Is that right? Yes. That uh, was news I saw during the last 24 hours that he's going to do a lap of honour at the SCG in their last home game. So that's fantastic news because yeah. we haven't heard do it right. from LaBud since he's retired. Yeah. So uh, that sort of upset a few. A lot of people wanted to hear from him. Obviously, an absolute champion of the game, future mm-hmm. Hall of Famer, maybe future legend in, Absolutely. in uh, that sort of status. So for him not to do a presser once he uh, announced his retirement uh, was a little bit strange, but uh, not too strange because we know he doesn't quite like the limelight and yeah. detest the media a little bit. So uh, to see him get a, a little bit of a send-off in front of the, the Sydney Swans home crowd will be fantastic for him. Yeah. Jack Zebel as well. He goes out a uh, champion. Jack Rewalt was an interesting one. How did you see the uh, media reporting around it on the morning of? Yeah, it was something that caught my interest. And I remember waking up, uh, whatever the morning was that uh, it was announced, might have been Tuesday morning. Yeah, it was, uh, I think so. First thing, when I first got up, uh, as we all do these days, is check our phone. I scrolled mm. through Twitter and uh, saw that um, it might have been Tom Morris tweeted that it would have been maybe just before 7 in the morning, so a.m., yep. 7 in the morning, a.m., that uh, confirmed Jack Rewalt will retire today. He'll address the media and, uh, you know, bring his great career to an end. And it just got me thinking, is that is it good from the media to, to announce things like that? Because I was just thinking if... if yeah, to, before the player, yeah. So if Jack, if that was the case, that's fine. If Jack Rewalt had, was planning to address the playing group that morning at training and then go on to do his press conference in the afternoon. Mm. It being reported, is that, does that, yeah, that, that, I, that'd really peeve me off. Yeah. If that's the case, that would definitely, definitely kill it for how it plays out at training. Cause once it was, how once it, it was reported, if he hadn't told everyone who he wanted to yeah. tell personally before it become public, that uh, that would be quite disappointing, yeah. Tom. Sensing a little bit of trauma here. How did it play out for you? <laughs> yeah, well, exa- exactly <laughs> like that. That's probably why it brought up some demons. Right? Um, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't addressed the the playing group. Yeah, yet okay. when I retired yeah. uh, at Adelaide, so I, I'd planned to do it after training, but uh, someone got wind of it, and it was it was a bit similar. It was all over social media. Right. Uh, why we were warming up and and getting ready for for training. So half the squad was out on the ground running laps and yeah. warming up half the group was in the gym and getting physio and that sort of thing. And it hit social media. And then I had a number of players come up to me, showing me their phone saying, Bryce Gibbs, you've announced your time. I'm like, what's going on? Is this a, someone taking the piss here or yeah. is this a joke? Or, and I was like, Oh, like I haven't even addressed <laughs> oh, everyone that I wanted to address yet. So we had to get everyone in, pull people off the, the training track, get people out the gym and basically yeah. say, that's when I, I did my spiel and, and uh, yeah. let the playing group know because uh, I wanted to wanted them to hear it from me totally before uh, it was getting out publicly. So, so that's when the social media team gathered around with the camera. 
And is that when you did your fly. proper yeah, it was proper on, one? Oh, that was in this. That was in the afternoon. That was post yeah. post training. But so uh, you're just not getting the opportunity, Tom, to to address yeah. the playing group first. Uh, and a couple of people close to me, uh, you know, was a little bit disappointing. And I was just sort of wondering. It just sort of brought back a bit of deja vu reading that tweet. Yeah, knowing that. Oh, I wonder if Jack had uh, actually addressed the team. And do you know what he might have? He might have done it on the yeah. Monday, and that it wouldn't have been an issue. But. Uh, I don't know, just uh, maybe uh, your thoughts yeah, on yeah. 0427 154 166, the, the reporting of retirements and yeah, uh, the timing they, of it. Should they have an unspoken agreement with the clubs where you can only report a retirement once the presser has come out, once it's come in an email? Um, uh, message here, Bryce. Sloan is a club great. He should be entitled to choose how he finishes up. Gary, there we go. I've yeah. ignited some passions there. Yeah, it has. And Gary, unfortunately, you know, champions, uh, m- most most players don't go don't. out the way they, they want to no. in terms of whether they're still in the senior side or their, their form's dropped or whatever it may be. Unfortunately, the game doesn't wait for you. So not many people in this game go out the way they want to. So... Yeah, he is a great. There's, there's no questioning that. But uh, if he's slowing down and not in form, you're not. He's not going to be playing in this side. So that's just the way it goes. Yep, got people feeling feelings, Bryce. Got a feeling th- this may have some people calling in later in the show. Hey, we are here in SENSA Studio Lumo, number one King William Street, powered by Lumo Energy SA and City Discount Tires, four wheel drive tire deals. On now, it's time for the news. It's one minute to nine, but after nine, big show ahead, Bryce. Alicia Carnavas is joining us to preview the Matildas, and we're going to preview, obviously, the Crows-Sydney game and Port Adelaide-Fremantle. A bit of a banana peel, that one could be for Port Adelaide, though I think they're going to win. And Josh Jenkins, as well, is going to join us. It's currently one minute to nine. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yes, good to have your company this morning. Massive weekend of sport. Massive ramifications around this round of football, Bryce. Last night it was Brisbane getting the job over a depleted Magpies outfit. Fair to say Collingwood were sort of given a free shot with that game last night because they were missing more Dacos. Uh, who's Dugowie in the midfield. Some very important players out for Collingwood, but for Brisbane, they have sewed up that top two position. Uh, it's locked away for them, and that gives them a fantastic chance at a grand final shot. It certainly does, Tom, and getting the, the double chance in Brisbane, mind you, that's, uh, that's yeah. the big thing they wanted. And, I mean, if they were a genuine contender, Brisbane, they had to come to Melbourne last night and just put Collingwood away with, as you said, mm. the the outs that they had. And it, it does put the pressure a little bit back on Collingwood now because the top spot is up for grabs. Collingwood have to win the, their next game next week against Essendon to secure yeah. the top spot because Brisbane are only a game behind with the same percentage. So Brisbane take on St Kilda next week up at the Gabba. We know how strong... They play their brand yeah. of footy up there. So Collingwood still have to get the job done next week. You think they would, but it, uh, it was just a, a workman's-like performance from Brisbane. Um, the, the two big boys up front took advantage of mm. of a, you know, a under undermanned back line with no Darcy Moore. So, you know, Hipwood was great kicking three. Um, 
Joe Danaher as well got a hold On of fire. him. Uh, Charlie Cameron was buzzing around there. So uh, yeah, they just they they did what they had to do. The, the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, one thing though that they looked fantastic from Brisbane side was their ball movement. A couple of times coming from the very far part of the back line all the way to the front and getting a goal. It was scintillating. Like they were so quick moving the ball through. Well, that sort of suits that uh, that Marvel Stadium yeah. type type surface it can be a real fast deck and when you can get your your handball chains going off your half back line like you just mentioned it is certainly very hard to stop and and we know Brisbane have got that in their kit bag and and that's why they've won I think the last seven or eight they've played at Marvel Stadium because it is a fast deck and and they can get the ball humming so um yeah Lockie Neal back to uh back to some good form along with Cameron, uh, Josh Dunkley as well. Those yeah. two through the midfield have uh, had a quieter couple of weeks than uh, we've seen in the in, or during the year. Cam Rayner, as you said, looking uh, powerful up forward, but yeah. uh, um, Bailey as well. Couple of goals, nearly twenty touches. So uh, the Brisbane Lions are just have been uh, been very solid all year, but uh, hitting some good form when uh, when it matters most. Absolutely, Bryce. And to top it off, the icing on the cake for them is Devin Robertson's rig. He just showed the world something that we didn't yet know is that he has possibly the most incredible rig in football. Craig McRae spoke last night after the game about Collingwood uh, just conceding more goals defensively than they would like. That's exactly what I put on the board, actually. Um, 124 points. It's going to be hard to kick 125 in this competition. So I think the last four or five weeks we've, we've just conceded too many goals, too many points. Um, number one defensive team in the competition for major parts of the year, but yeah, we've lost that mantle in the last couple of weeks. We're just um, yeah, we're not happy with the way we're defending the ground um, in different they're in different phases of that. I think our pressure's been good, but um, yeah, we're not defending the ground like we once were. Why do you think it's dropped away? Uh, a number of reasons. I, I, I think there's opposition are certainly you know, trying to keep the ball off us a little bit um, at times, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to work on this and we'll find out exactly why. Yeah, we've got some time to work on it. We're not finished yet. Yeah, so Collingwood uh, defensively letting a few more through. But are you worried, Bryce? I'm not I'm not 100% worried. I certainly think they've got a, a few things that they need to fix up. And I think they will do that. They're a, obviously a very professional outfit and they'll make the, the right adjustments needed to obviously get through to, to the finals. They just have to win one more game. They get a week off. That to uh, lead them into a qualifying final at home at the MCG with a couple of their stars returning. So not not all alarm bells, but uh, they've got still a couple of things to work on, like everyone else does in the comp. Yeah, uh, not worried at all. There was a stat that came out yesterday about the teams finishing the year. So this is one for Port as well. Any team that has lost two or more of their last five games uh, has never won the flag in the last 10 years. So that's an interesting stat for you there, Gibber. Now we're going to move on to a preview to the Adelaide Crows. Uh, after this, Bryce, it's currently 9.06. We're here for City Discount Tires, four-wheel drive deals on now. 
This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yes, it's a very good morning to you today. We've got a massive round of football, big ramifications, Bryce Gibbs. None bigger than the Crows v Sydney tonight. It's probably match of the round for mine. How about you? Well, it's virtually an elimination final, isn't yeah. it? Crows win. You'd think they would go through and... and uh, you know, sit in that eighth spot, and then if Sydney win, you'd think they would end up playing yeah. the final. So it's uh, a huge game. Matthew Nick's even saying himself, biggest game of his coaching career. Some news during the week, some good news for many. And, uh, well, overall, you know, Rory Sloan has signed on for another year and his leadership is is integral down there. I just asked earlier this morning, does that hinder the progress of some of the young mids like Sam Berry? He's smashing it in the SNFL. And uh, I'd love, you know, I'd just love to see him get a go before the year's out. Uh, it's ignited some emotions on the text line. We've had people just piling into me. And now we've had uh, Rob call in. And Rob, I suspect you have some strong feelings as well. Good morning. Uh, morning, Tom. Morning, Bryce. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? How, how did you take the news, Rory, signing on for another year? Uh, look, to be honest, um, I was pretty shocked because it's a great opportunity for Rory to end on a good night, you know, coming back from the ACL and, mm. um, you know, playing some decent minutes. But, you know, clearly starting to lose the pace of the game, et cetera, et cetera. And with the young blokes coming through, it would have been fantastic, I reckon, to see Rory... Uh, announce his retirement and uh, go out on a hider night with a win. Yeah. Now, devil's advocate, say the club and uh, half the supporter base who don't pay attention to some of the finer details of the young players would say, well, he's a fantastic leader. He's a club great. And some players, I think Brody Smith was even saying he should get to choose uh, how he exits the game. What, what are your thoughts around that? Well, see, I'm an old bloke, and like, isn't the saying there's no uh, no one individual bigger than the team? Mm. Um, I would have thought that um, the direction that we're going uh, with the new blokes and with our development, um, I don't think it's players that call. Bryce, you'd probably agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, I don't think it is. I mean, obviously a player like Rory, who's been a loyal servant and a fantastic warrior for the club, you know, needs to have some input. But at the end of the day, you know, the club's got to make a call. And it feels to me like since the break, um, since the half-season break, the club's kind of changed direction a bit in terms of its development of younger players. Mm. And a few players have probably suffered from that. It's an interesting point because as far as midfield minutes go, early in the year, Matty Nix was playing Rochelle and uh, even a little bit of Rankin through the midfield to spark a bit of pace and uh, got the team going earlier in the year onto our big momentum phase. And then once it appeared Adelaide were going to make the finals, it, it slowed down and it was mostly just Crouch, Sloan and Dawson. Do you agree, Bryce? Well, that probably smells uh, bad for Matty Crouch, doesn't it? Obviously, mm. Sloan signing. I, I reckon it was either one or the other. Yeah, Re- Sloan retires. You might give Matty Crouch another year with with his form, but uh, I don't think they keep both of them. Right. Um, Sloan obviously going on, so I think Crouch looks to to find another home. But uh, yeah, I mean, they've sort of shifted uh, what they're saying in terms of that they think they've got the 
the youth now and yeah. the rebuild's obviously a big part uh, of their decision-making in the last couple of years. But um, they've decided that having a, a few extra old heads around is, is what they want to do. And, and if Rory Sloan has agreed and... Um, and, and and has told him he's comfortable playing in the sandfall if his form isn't up to scratch. Well, uh, that's that's the the direction they've gone in. Yeah, I've heard it could be possibly maybe a ten game season with a bit of sandfall involved and possibly a couple of subs on, on Rob. Um, who do you think? Just before you let you go, who do you think is the Crows' next sort of midfielder who could be that dynamic player with a little bit more pace than Rory? Well, you'd like to think that Luke Padler would be mm. um, a key part of the next midfield. And it really, I've got to admit, I was terribly disappointed to see Luke shuffled over to the to the sub spot mm. um, for tonight. Um, for example, Rory didn't have a great game against Brisbane and he hasn't had a great last couple of games. And, um, you know, it might be a tactic to play Rory for a half and then bring Luke on, but that's... That, all falls apart if someone gets injured and all of a sudden we become imbalanced because we've got to bring Luke on for a tool or something like that. And I, I just, you know, you mentioned Sam Barry before and uh, I, it, I don't understand how a bloke can play solid two seasons, lose form for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden play a season in the SANFL. Mm-hmm. I don't see how that developed Sam Barry at all. We saw it with Harry Schomburg. You know, Harry's come back in now and, you know, my overarching feeling about Adelaide is that they, that Matthew Nix or the match committee don't trust the younger players um, to get them to get them to the next level. And I, you know, finals is great, and I'm glad that we're in with, in contention. But that wasn't a goal at the start of the year, was it? So surely you're still going to hold true on the development path and bring in, you know, Sam Berry, who's probably suffered from Matty Crouch coming back in and. Um, Harry, who's you know played two thirds of the season in the SANFL, I just it just doesn't. I have to say the old boys club thing, but mm. Matty coming back in and and finally playing all year and and being picked despite form, it's got that little sniff about it, hasn't it? In my opinion. Rob, you raised some very interesting points and some that haven't been sort of bandied around as yet uh, around the narrative of Adelaide. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Do you agree with what Rob's saying? We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, now, I recognise your voice. Have I heard you somewhere before, Rob? Uh, you might have heard me somewhere before, yeah. Um, I run a little podcast uh, that... Uh, uh, has a live show on the Sunday night, so uh, yeah, right. if anyone wants to get around Crowcast, we uh, we uh, stream live on YouTube and we're on demand on all the platforms, audio and video. Yep, I've got a during the week, so Sunday nights eight thirty. Yep, Sunday nights eight thirty. I got to say, I have heard that one before, and it's a fantastic show for Crows fans. Uh, get around it if you want to have a hear some fascinating discussion post game eight thirty. That's the Crowcast. Thanks so much for calling in, Rob. Good on you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Yeah, you raised some uh, very very interesting points there, Bryce. Yeah, he certainly does, and. Uh... That's the decision that they've gone with now. So yep. we're going to have to uh, just see how it plays out. But uh, he'll still 
have a, a big say in tonight's game. And uh, if yeah. they make finals, is Rory Sloan. Yep. we got to get to a break right now because uh, up next, we're going to be previewing Port Adelaide and the rest of the round. And then we've got Lysia Carnavis uh, helping us preview the Matildas. Uh, bid for a third place. Australia will be right behind them tonight from, I think it's 5.30pm the game starts. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Oh, good morning. Good to have your company this morning. Bryce Gibbs, people are firing up on the text line. It's ignited a lot of passionate uh, Adelaide people talking about this Roy Sloan scenario. We just had Rob on previously and we have a text from... Who's this from? Ben. Morning, Tom and Bryce. Caller Rob was 100% spot on. The wider media is too scared to say it. Sloan has been a warrior but is cooked now. The Crows have panicked with finals in sight and at the expense of proper development. Ben, have you got another text there for us, Bryce? Uh, do I? Uh, this one's from Brett. The Port Adelaide women's team did really well last night with a 32-point win over St Kilda. Another... Great preseason display. Uh, it was live streamed on the Port app. So yeah, all the women's uh, AFLW teams have been playing practice matches. Yeah. So that's gonna get underway their new season soon. So uh, yeah, plenty of footy getting played by the girls, which is good to see. Yeah, the the AFL are really trying to ramp up off the back of the Matildas' amazing success to um, to get the women's AFL that excitement around the women's game. And it is exciting for Port Adelaide. Hopefully the girls at Port can um, step it up this year and, and be a little bit more competitive. Gibber, we were set a task, and I know everybody around the whole bloody joint has done this, but our opinions matter. And so we've done a ladder predictor for everybody, and we're going to let you know right now who we think <laughs> is going to make the top eight, and it's interesting. I haven't heard yours yet, so I'm far away. So if you haven't done this, this is this is really good fun. So get on the, the <laughs> AFL website. Get and, some uh, mates get together, to have a few and, beers. And you can pick your own. The, you can predict who's going to win yeah. the next games, and that spits out the ladder for you. So I'm. This is this is going to be controversial, no doubt, because I've okay. got a few upsets okay. coming in the next couple of weeks. I think it's going to be that sort of like, topsy couple, turvy couple of rounds. Yeah. So yep. my final ladder predictor reads as. Collingwood top, Brisbane Lions second, Melbourne third, Port Adelaide fourth. So I've got Collingwood playing Port, Brisbane playing Melbourne up at the Gabba. Then I've got Carlton in fifth. I've got the Western Bulldogs in sixth. What? I've got St Kilda in seventh. And I've got the Sydney Swans. Yeah, I like it. To out the top eight. No crows. Tom, what? so maybe give me your top eight and then we'll discuss some we'll of the Then we'll dive in. Okay, well, I had Collingwood top, Brisbane second, ceiling in the top two there, Port Adelaide third, Melbourne, then Carlton fifth, St Kilda to make it, sixth, Sydney seventh. I'm predicting them to beat the Ds next week, which is why. Yep. And Adelaide clamouring in at eighth. So how did you reach your conclusion with, uh, for starters, Adelaide missing out, so Sydney coming in? Go. So for this round, I've got the big move. So I've got the Giants beating Essendon. Well, that doesn't matter because both of them are not going to make it. So I've got, <laughs> I have got, I've got St Kilda beating Geelong today. Right. In an upset. Okay. Most people would have probably tipped. Where's that one being played? Tipped. Uh, it's play, played at Marvel. Okay. Yeah. I can see that happening. 
of course, the big elimination final tonight. I've, I do have Sydney upsetting Adelaide. Yeah. Well, Adel- I can see it happening. Adelaide, I still think, can win the game. There's no doubt about that. It's going to yeah. be a, a cracking game. But I just think Sydney are in are in really good form. And we'll deep dive into the match a yeah. little bit later. But uh, I've got Sydney winning in an upset to keep their finals chances alive. Yeah. I've got the Bulldogs beat, obviously beating West Coast, uh, Melbourne beating Hawthorne. And I've got the Dockers upsetting Port Adelaide today right, over a... in the West as well. So wow, you really that gone bring, out on a limb here. Brings it to next week's round. I've got Brisbane beating St Kilda in a game that matters. I've got the Bulldogs beating Geelong down at J G M H B A Stadium. So right. there's another potential so upset. Geelong are just garbage to you now. And I've got Melbourne beating Sydney, but Sydney obviously winning tonight yeah. keeps them. Uh, in eighth spot. So I've got the GWS Giants just missing out. I've got Adelaide just missing out along with Essendon and Geelong not making the finals. When you think about it, it's actually quite stunning. The flip-flopping and snakes and ladders that is going on with the AFL season this year. Like GWS were entrenched at six just a week or two ago. And we've both got them missing out. I'll tell you how I arrived at mine with uh, Adelaide making it into eighth, Sydney seventh, St Kilda sixth, Carlton fifth. Um, I have Port Adelaide just getting over the line in Fremantle. I feel like they've clocked onto their winning mode and they want to have some form running into finals. But the reason I've got Sydney making it, I've got Adelaide beating the Swans tonight, but I reckon the Swans are going to finish strong and beat Melbourne in a home game next week at the SEG. Which absolutely could happen, Tom. I mean, it's just that going to be the, the, that sort of round in the next two weeks where results will surprise. So much upsets can happen. And uh, yeah. no doubt there's a, a few people out there would have done this later predictor a hundred times yeah. uh, and gotten a lot of different results. And so we'll, uh, it's going to be an intriguing last couple of rounds, that's for sure. Yeah. And we could be as accurate as just putting a dollar in a pokey machine and see whatever flips out of that like it's just uh, and to be fair my, my footy tips this year have been <laughs> horrendous so yeah uh, I'm Me not too. I'm not that ladder predictor I'm not going with much confidence so it's just for we'll, some reason we'll soon find out we've been given a platform and a couple of microphones <laughs> yeah. so we feel entitled to let you know hey Bryce before we get to the news I want to hear I want you to listen to this wholesome story from Sam Kerr yesterday she was speaking just ahead of the Matildas game tonight uh, before we get Alicia Canavis on next to preview the Matildas game she was talking about the impact it's had on the team and Australia really getting behind them how that's made them feel of course, we want to win the bronze medal tomorrow, but I think that feeling and that, like, we're winners no matter what is, is down to the fans. Like, they have created that. They have made us feel like, you know, we have done something amazing for them. And I've just, you know, walked down the street just with Maka just before and everyone was just saying thank you. Not, you know, well done that they normally do or great goal, just thank you. And me and Maka were literally, we got in the cab on the way home, we were laughing because we were like, that was so awkward. Like everyone was just coming around us in the middle of Queen Street Mall and like we have kind of just were like, wow, that was amazing. And I think the fans have created that feeling by, you know, what we've done for them and what they've done for us it has just been amazing. Um, and I think, 
you know, we talked about this before the World Cup, that we want to leave a legacy and be, have this moment talked about for 10, 20 years. And I think we have already done that. But to win a bronze medal and bring, you know, a World Cup medal to this country would be, you know, amazing. So it is an amazing feeling, but there is definitely work still to be done. <laughs> did that warm your heart, Bryce, getting mobbed in uh, Queen Street Mall? Certainly did. And yep. uh, I love what she said that uh, we've still got a job to do on yeah. the back of this and, and finish in third place in this World Cup. Yep, up against Sweden tonight. We're going to preview that. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Well, the Matildas have captured the hearts and minds of Australia. And while there for a while, we were walking on clouds. We'll be forever grateful. But tonight we put our game faces on. And as they have one last tilt at a placing against Sweden, uh, one last throw for us to savour, Bryce, our special guest today is former Matilda, and now she's absolutely smashing it on the SEN call team, Alicia Carnivas. Good morning, Alicia. How did you feel after that loss to England? Morning, team. How are you? It's, yeah. Look, it's a funny feeling, isn't it, when when you lose after such a, an amazing tournament, an amazing journey that I think the Matildas have taken us all on as, as a former player and someone mm. that's come through the sport and then looking at it through the lens of, of commentary and then just seeing the public get behind this team. It was phenomenal. So when we lost um, on, on Wednesday evening, I still had so much pride uh, for the team and, and so much pride for the sport and what it's been able to achieve in the last four and a half weeks. Yeah, you're spot on. And I think everyone's uh, in, in the same boat. There's there's no doubt about that. So Obviously, with uh, with the loss, no doubt, a lot of disappointment from the squad, but they can't rest on their laurels too much, can they? Because there's obviously uh, another big game tonight. Do you reckon that obviously would have been addressed, um, but they would have had to move on pretty quickly? How do you reckon they've uh, they've they've bounced back and, and getting up for what is going to be an, another big game for Emma Tilders? Yeah, these games are always funny, aren't they? Because you want to be playing in the one tomorrow rather than today, of course, as athletes. But it's still a, an important game in the sense of who finishes third and fourth. And, and that's bragging rights in itself, particularly against the Swedes, who historically we, we've had a, not, not too much in terms of rivalry, but they've always been such a strong team um, in women's football through the 90s and into the early 2000s as well. So even now they're sitting at third in the world. So it's still a challenge tonight for the Matildas. And I think... They would have obviously gone through the disappointment, but I think in the last 48 hours or so, just resetting the minds and resetting to, to play today, which is going to be a huge occasion up in Brisbane. After England played a, a really clinical style of game where it was sort of possession football and it felt like to, to the layperson watching that the Matildas didn't get up in their face enough, um, Will they change their approach tonight should, should the Swedes play? Uh, well, I actually don't know what style of game the Swedes play, so let us know how, what they're going to bring tonight. And um, will the Matildas address that, get up in the Swedes' faces? Yeah, it'll be a different style of, of match tonight for sure. The Swedes um, have Laxenius up the top or up front and she plays quite high, so she naturally mm. will press. Um, solely against our strikers. And I imagine it'll be Claire Polkinghorne and, and Claire Hunt, sorry, uh, against our defenders, but they'll be defending against Black Stenius tonight. The Swedes are very defensively sound. Uh, their midfield is quite strong and, and they do like the counter-attack. But compared to England, and, and you're right, England were very happy just to hold the ball and keep possession. And I guess we didn't press as, as high as we ordinarily would uh, because they have such strong wingers as well who would have exploited that if, if given the opportunity. So um, I think tonight will be a little bit 
a little bit different in terms of the flow of the match. And I think we definitely can expect to see the Matildas attack this game a little more. How do you see Sam Kerr's fitness? She had the calf issue early on. She's played fantastically since, uh, just sort of being eased back into the side. Is she still carrying something there or is she fully fit? Look, I think she looked okay against against England. I think more, more than anything, it's polished, right? That's yeah. probably, and as she said, she only trained three or four or five times in the whole tournament. So for anyone who's played sports, the consistency of training is just so, so very important and so, so necessary, and she didn't have that. So I think she's fit. I think she'll play again today, and it's just a matter of, of making sure that she's able to stay out there as long as possible. Yeah. For those new fans that the Matildas have accumulated uh, as the tournament's gone on, it's been a magical journey, and uh, I've actually never felt anything like this in the public sphere, the way people's uh, feelings have changed and uh, the world game has just, you know, become at the forefront of, of our consciousness. So there are new players and new names getting introduced to the Australian public who they never knew about before. One of them is Mary Fowler. Uh, she's so young. What do you reckon is her ceiling in the game? Look, Mary Fowler, I think this is the beginning of a very, very long journey for her with the sport, and um, I'm just starting to see so much of her name out there. I think she'll be one of those players that will be with us for such a long time that she'll almost surpass the name Kerr with, when, when we move forward in the sport. She's mm. got such, um, I guess she's so polished as a youngster already, and, and her playing game speaks for itself. So I see her at 20 years old. <laughs> The future is very, very bright for the likes of Mary Fowler. And I think for, for all of us, I think what you touched on there is that it's changed the way we viewed this team in a big way. And, and the level of national pride has been huge. But someone like Mary Fowler, I think, is one of those perfect role models for young kids as well to carry this, this until this team forward. Mm. So you mentioned her ceiling there. And I think... Uh, the ceiling for, for soccer now in Australia is is just going to go through the roof. And I think there was an announcement from uh, even the South Australian government to uh, they're going to tip about $28 million into, you know, upgrading facilities for, girls for women's and, and girls' sports as yeah. well, which is fantastic. Yeah. And, and I think it's it's a credit to what the Matildas have done and, and you know, really putting uh, women's sport on, on the map. Um, are, are you proud of that? And is it... Is it just a case of we're just catching up and this should have been done a long time ago? It should it probably shouldn't have taken yeah. uh, our success at a World Cup to, to start getting funds for, for these sort of things? Yeah, in, in a big, big way, I agree with that. For sure, we always look at the United States, particularly in soccer or football, as, um, I guess, they've been the beacon for the women's game for so many years since the success that they had in 1999. And while that's not been perfect in their opinion, they led the way um, in terms of investment and creating leagues and, and support for women in sport, um, investment, sponsorship and so on. So I think by that standard, yes, we are a bit behind. We are a bit behind in terms of um, making things, I guess, female-specific in and around any sport. It's taken a long time for us to even get the realisation that, hey, sport's sport, but women and men aren't the same. You know, we need women uh, appropriate change rooms and, and all of those things that just make life a little bit easier for us. Um, you know, there's nothing quite like going into a change room with urinals everywhere. <laughs> not fun. Um, but <laughs> we're getting there. And I think the, the investment from government is a step in the right direction. Um, people will argue 
especially today I'm seeing it, do we need more? Is it a, a bit short? Yes, I'd agree with that. But it's it's the start. And I think right now we need to start somewhere. And then it's also up to our federations to, to assist in growing this game and making sure it's sustainable as we move forward. And, and not only investment in facilities, but, but in programs and, and grassroots for, for soccer yeah. as well, because obviously we've done really well so far in this World Cup campaign and, and we don't want it to be a flash in the pan, do we? We want to be pushing for, for World Cups and going deep into tournaments in the future uh, and investing in, in grassroots and, and soccer programs here in Australia. That's only going to strengthen our chances to stay competitive at the highest level going forward. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I think sometimes um, what the challenge is is that we're seeing everything at at the top, at at the cream level, as I call it, and we're sort of forgetting about everything at the bottom. And I think it's so, so important that funding facilities, um, I guess, recognition and growth occurs at the grassroots level. I've got two young girls uh, myself, and for it to filter down to their level, the success of this tournament is so, so important to keep them engaged and to keep them I guess, captured in the sport and to, to keep that belief going as well, that they can see real change right in front of them and it keeps them motivated to continue in the sport, um, you know, into their adulthood. It's very important. They might not ever be um, a Sam Kerr or a Mary Fowler, but to have that infrastructure to keep kids involved for as long as possible into adulthood, I think, just helps strengthen the game. So very, very important. Yeah, I was just seeing on Twitter, or X as it's now known, uh, a lot of people jumping on Albo asking him to tip in some more yeah. financials. Uh, so I, hopefully that is to come. Alicia, I sense from your answer before during your grassroots journey, you've seen a couple of male urinals on your way. <laughs> uh, more than a few, I can tell you that much. So, okay. I'm not used to that, that whole vibe, I tell you. It never gets old. And yeah. Sort of go, We're still here, but look, yeah. Steps in the right direction. Well, I've seen it at my club and it's, it's starting to change, which is good. If there was ever motivation for our government to tip in, think of it, for God's sake, think of our daughters. <laughs> do, do you want them to be witnessing the sight of male urinal coming up in this, this game? Or, or do you not? For the love of God, think of the girls. <laughs> this is it. For, for the sake of the young kids out there, let's, let's step it up and just have a closed toilet door. Hey? Yeah. That would be the most appropriate. Advancement uh, in the next 12 months around clubs in Australia, I can tell you that. Yes, we are a first world country. Um, Alicia, before we let you go, what's your tip for tonight? Tonight, I think the Aussies will get up, surely. I think uh, Brisbane has been good to us, far the Nigeria match, um, but I think they've made a base in Brisbane. The Brisbane support is there. The, the stadium tonight is absolutely full. The Swedes will be a tough, tough team to beat tonight, but after the loss against the English, I dare say Tony's going to throw everything out there tonight and, and nothing less than a third place for our Aussie girls. The Matildas have captured the hearts and minds of Australia. And Alicia, you have captured ours. You've been bloody fantastic with uh, your interviews yeah, over you. the journey. Just such an astute observer of, of the game. So thank you again for joining us. No, thanks so much for having me, guys. And, and go the Chilies this evening. Yeah, nice. And that's Alicia Carnivas uh, joining us there, Bryce. Uh, none sharper observing the game, I reckon. Yeah, she's uh, been a friend of the shows for a couple of weeks now and, and speaks amazingly and shows us or makes us hear some some fantastic insights and, and her opinions on where the game's at and, and how our hillies have been going in this one. So uh, we thank her very much for her time. Yeah, she's brilliant. Uh, up next, Bryce, if producer Jace 
can make it from the studio number two building to our studio number one in time. Oh, he's already here, is he? Okay, good. I was going to say, if he can make it or if he's even awake, we will do the sports wrap. So it appears he's awake and he's made it across the road. We've got a comprehensive sports wrap from producer Jace up next. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yes, good to have your company this morning. It's been a big show. Still some great previews to come. Port Adelaide and the Crows games, of course. And Josh Jenkins as well will be joining us just after 10 to have a look at the broader round. Producer Jace has come in to give us our sports report. Before we get underway, Jace, uh, each week we have a meeting on Fridays and it's scheduled for 9.30. We sent a text out. 9.30, you're the producer of the show. You should know what's going on. You should be uh, you should be the captain of the ship, essentially. It's not unusual, let's be honest. <laughs> it's not the first time it's happened. Um, no. Being a breakfast producer by trade, uh, my day off, in inverted commas... Is when we're... <laughs> is when we have a meeting at 9.30 in the morning. Exactly. Why can't you have it at midday? It's <laughs> a drive-by. Yeah, we... <laughs> because we uh, which Bryce and I just jump on. It's a, it's a face call, so we'll have our faces. We'll have a chat for a couple of minutes. How are you going? And... All that sort of stuff. And then, we're, where's Jace? And, uh, yeah, lo and behold, Jace is sleeping. So, But I understand, mate, because you're getting absolutely poleaxed. Mate, I got drafted <laughs> into the newsroom today. <laughs> it's not producer Jace today. It's newsreader Jace. So yeah. uh, I, I agreed to do this um, uh, before the show today. And then I thought about it afterwards and thought, hang on a minute. I'm going to have exactly, in count them, 30 seconds to get from here yeah. to the newsroom. So those are Jace's dulcet tones that you're hearing during the so news today. Do you want a precursor to what the news is going to sound like at the uh, top of the hour? Or are you, are you pulling up the curtain? <laughs> this is Jason. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Hey Jace. Well, do those cigarettes help with the running? <laughs> Come uh, on now, Jace. Plenty happening in the world. Of yes, what, what do you got for us? <laughs> Thank you, Bryce Gibbs, for uh, straightening us up. Let's talk some news. Max Purcell, um, not a hugely known name in the tennis world, but he's starting mm. to make his name now. He really pushed Carlos Alcaraz in the Cincinnati Open. Now, this is a really big tournament on the tennis schedule. It's a, a 1,000 tournament, so lots of points, ranking points up for grabs here. Mm. And uh, he went down in the end in three sets, 4-6-6-3, to Alcaraz, but Really pushed him. Uh, this will push his ranking into the top 50. And Alexei Papyron, who is another name that you might not know much about, has had a big run in this tournament as well, and he'll be in the top 50. So with Nick Kyrgios's protected ranking and Alex Demonor going along the way he is and Tanasi Kokonakis playing beautifully at the moment, we have an opportunity to have as many as six Australians to be ranked inside the top 50 at the end of the year. Now, really? the last time that happened was before rankings were even a thing, the proper ranking system. So you've got to go amazing. back to the 70s before that was a thing. Yeah. So uh, Australian tennis isn't in a bad spot at the moment. We've got the Davis yeah. Cup coming up. Um, it's not getting, obviously, the kudos it probably normally would, given that we were in the throes of a... World Cup, which has captured everyone's imagination. But just keep an eye out for our tennis stars ahead mm. of the US Open and the Davis Cup. Yeah, it's in a nice position. We, we just, because we our standards are so high, we want that champion to, to break through, which Nick Kyrgios was threatening to do. But uh, we wait 
until that person comes up. Uh, what, just explain what a protected ranking, how, how does that happen? So when you get injured, um, obviously you have to defend your ranking points at tournaments that uh, you uh, played in the year before. So in Nick Kyrgios's case, um, there were many tournaments he did really well in the previous year that he hasn't obviously been able to play this year. So yeah. uh, a portion of those points gets protected through long-term injury. So um, he'll come back ranked outside the top 50, but it won't take him long to to crawl his way back in there. It's simply because we've had situations in the past where stars of the game have been out mm. for, um, you know, a prolonged period of time. One, Martin Del Potro strikes me as a classic example. When he came back from uh, his serious wrist injury, injury, had to qualify for every Grand Slam. And um, I, I know Novak Djokovic was really hot on this uh, mm. as part of the the, the, the tennis hierarchy, um, yep. that they needed some protection um, for when they get injured because these guys, obviously, once they get injured, they're more likely to get injured if they have to play more matches. So yeah, it yes. was a vicious recurring okay. cycle. Yeah, That that makes it understandable. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the Women's World Cup. Obviously, we love the Matildas, and you know you've been on and on yes. and on about it already this morning, but go the Matildas. We love them. And Sam Kerr's strike. I loved your package that you put together. Um, I love your package. Oh, Tom. <laughs> You just had to go there. They say good things come yeah, in small packages, yeah. Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the – it's the – I got one for you. Uh, Sam Kerr's goal from the other night or yes. Tim Cahill's goal from the World Cup Boy. Uh, 15 years ago. Or Boy. Years ago. Recency bias. I know. Yeah. It's a tough one. Oh. They're pretty – You I know both, both pretty electric. Both have that innate ability where, like, before that game was played, I knew Sam Kerr was going to get a goal because her and Tim Kale have an innate ability to just find a goal in the biggest of moments, and uh, that's something they both share. Yeah. I'm going to go Sam Kerr because I can't remember Kale's. Uh, the reason I brought it up actually wasn't to just, uh, <laughs> I love Sam Kerr. <laughs> Sam Kerr is a star. But uh, the FIFA boss... Um, but gave a speech yesterday. Yep. Um, Gianni Infantino, I believe is his name. Isn't and it? he declared this Women's World Cup. Um, we wait for this after every Olympics. Yeah. yeah. We wait for the boss to come out and go, this was the greatest of all time. Yeah, yeah. Well, he had some facts and figures to back it up. So yeah. it's the most attended and most watched FIFA World Cup, Women's World Cup of all time uh, oh. by a significant margin. So wow. uh, it's taken women's sport, not just women's football, but women's sport into a new stratosphere. There's no doubt about that. Amazing result. And, uh, you know, 70,000, upwards of 70,000 at all these games, plus 11 million, I think it was. At, watching, one, at one time, yeah. Yeah, watching Fantastic. that game. Just uh, mind-blowing numbers, not since Kathy Freeman's run. Uh, Has TV seen those sort of numbers? Correct, yeah. Uh, Adam Simpson, I want to talk about him quickly. If if they get done today big time, Western Bulldogs, I don't think you'll see the Crows game. He is in big trouble. Right. So the whispers out of the West grow louder by the day. Uh, The board has – he's spoken to people of the board. Now, if you're a coach – you only go and mm. seek out board members for reassurance if you're worried about your job. Yeah. Well, that's what he's done through the week. And we all know what happens when the board unanimously gets behind its coach. Yeah. The coaches are going. Trevor Nisbet is um, the, the power broker over yep. there, and he seems to think he's safe. So $6 million uh, hit to their soft capital cost them if he does go. 
But how about that for the Crows? Uh, if they're playing for their survival, if they get yeah. through today, they'll have to head west where two of their legends are retiring yeah. and a brand-new coach if that happens. Well, hopefully they do it the right way and they just give him a send-off game. They sort it out next week because Adam Simpson isn't the right coach to develop a, a young, young, young team over four years. So they may as well give him the right send-off and, and let him say goodbye properly. I promised I would talk about this with for Bryce, not just with Bryce, but for Bryce, because he is a huge fan of the English Premier League. Yeah. Uh, give it your boys taking on Bournemouth tonight. Yes, they are in the early game too, which mm. I love because... Mm not waiting up all hours of the night to watch it. But uh, you'd think they would get that one done. And uh, for our listeners, uh, Bryce is a Liverpool supporter. I so Liverpool am, taking on Bournemouth. I am. Not, uh, Nottingham Forest 2-1 victors over Sheffield United overnight. So the round's already underway. But uh, Tottenham Hotspurs, our man Ange, his biggest game in the, the Premier League so far, taking on the Reds, Manchester United. The Red Devils, I should yep. say. I was going to say it doesn't get much bigger, really, but uh, these days it does. I mean, Chess United are like, you know, just struggling to get into Europe. So uh, you probably want to play the other <laughs> Manchester team, uh, I would have thought. Uh, but this will be a good precursor for what's to come for Ange. I mean, um, is, are, they, are they at Tottenham or is it's it? It's at Tottenham, yeah. It is. So um, there's been talk that uh, some of their fans might protest ticket prices over there. Ange isn't too worried about that. Uh, I think they'll still fill the stadium up pretty much. They always do. And if uh, it's not full of Tottenham supporters, it'll be full of Man United supporters. The other game that everyone will be looking forward to seeing how it plays out is the other Manchester side. The Manchester Cityans uh, will play Newcastle, who have uh, they started their campaign off with a big 5-1 win last week. That's at the Etihad, so that'll be a fascinating watch as well. And, boys, um, Luton Town, who come into the, the Premier League after getting promoted mm. last year, their game was cancelled or postponed uh, this round because their stadium wasn't like up to sufficient oh no um you know levels to host a, a broadcast right game. oh no so like the, here's the, the problem with your the, promotion the, relegation they're system they're going to be scrambling yeah. to get upgrades on their facilities so that they can play home matches it's, this season it's something that you don't think about because in the 90s when footy could be played in mud slops and and just grounds that were just pitiful and you would watch it on TV and you wouldn't think anything of it, but there was a turning point when they went, nah, we've got to have a standard of, of grass and greenery and niceness for the viewing experience, Jace. Yeah, and people want uh, promotion relegation in Australian rules football. Um, well, this is the reason why we shouldn't have it. I mean, unless, of course, you want to go on... Uh, watch one day the mighty Panthers of <laughs> yeah. South Adelaide hosting an AFL game uh, down yeah. there at beautiful Flinders University Stadium. You can sit in your car, toot the horn, and hey, tune into SEN and watch it. It's a chance for gather round, probably. Get around it. Get around it. I'm hey, out. Jace, very comprehensive as always, and you could look into run. some uh, ADHD medication just to get, wake you up on those uh, meeting times. I'll work on that. Uh, <laughs> I've got to run. Got to run over to the uh, the newsroom, boys. See ya. Thank you, Jace. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yes, we're here for Lumo Energy. SA's studio Lumo is at number one King William Street and powered by Lumo Energy SA. And City Discount Tires, four-wheel drive tire deals are on now. Bryce Gibbs, on the line, we have former Crow and now one of SEN's most astute minds, Josh Jenkins. He's here to walk us through the rest of the round and uh, give us his thoughts on all things football. Good morning, Josh. How are you going? 
Good morning, boys. Um, gee, you must be going pretty well over there. You got plenty of sponsors. I like the sound of it. <laughs> yep, running on the smell of an oily rag, mate. Um, <laughs> how, how did you see the game last night? Collingwood let it go, but do you think they get a bit of a free pass with all the injuries they've got? Uh, yeah, probably, probably. Um, I, I look at it from a Brisbane point of view. I, um, I've been a a big Lions advocate for for a few years. I think their fourth top four finish in the past five years. You've got to give them credit for that. Um, it's easy for people to look past that and say, well, they haven't won a premiership, but the fact remains, they um, you know they have to play uh, grand finals in Melbourne, and they're a Brisbane team. They're an interstate team the same way that the, the two Adelaide teams do. So. I give them great credit. I loved the way they played last night. They, they they may have given us probably the best blueprint in terms of how to beat Collingwood and how to stifle their their chaos game that they like to, to bring you into. And um, yeah, I couldn't have been more impressed with Brisbane last night. They kicked 124 points. They've got a really dynamic and, and versatile and different forward line. Their midfield was rock solid last night. Neil and Dunkley were fantastic. Big O was pretty good in the ruck, and we know what Harris Andrews can do down back. So they're very, very close. I know Port Adelaide have got some work to do, but Brisbane are very, very close to locking in two home finals, and we might not see them again this year in Melbourne until the last day. Yeah, that's set up perfectly for the Brisbane Lions. Now, Josh, like everyone else, uh, have you done a ladder predictor because... The, the next two rounds are going to throw up all types of results, I think. I've, I've tipped a few upsets in the next couple of weeks. And Bryce has gone rogue. I've actually got your cats. You're, uh, you're employed by the Geelong Footy Club doing some great work in the ruck, I think, down there, Josh. I've got them out of the top eight, mate. So how, uh, how do you feel with a couple of big games coming up? I've actually got the Crows missing out as well, which uh, has upset a few on the text line yeah. this morning. But um, have you done a ladder predictor? And, and who have you got uh, just scraping in in the top eight? Well, Bryce, I'm glad you asked me because ladder predictors seem to be uh, the uh, the fad of the moment. (laughs) They're very in vogue. Well, the thing is, and this is why I think the ladder predictor is one of the great wastes of time in life because none of us really pick more than five or six or maybe seven a week in the footy tips, yet we three, four, five weeks out from the end of the season, we go and do the ladder predictor as if we're going to predict every game accurately and then say, well, this is who I've got in in the eight and out of the eight. <laughs> imagine how many people Imagine how many people did the ladder predictor before last week and had the dogs beating the Hawks uh, in, a, in a pretty straightforward game of footy. Well, everyone mm. who tipped that game wrongly, their ladder predictor is completely out the window. So <laughs> I um, I haven't done a ladder predictor. What I do know is I was, I was having a look at the bottom half of the eight because, of course, the Cats are um, are in that mix. Adelaide are in that mix. Uh, a few teams playing each other, Adelaide and Sydney. You know, I guess win and you survive, survive in advance, lose and uh, you go home. So it is very, very close, but Bryce, to answer your question as you asked it, no, I have not done a ladder predictor <laughs> and I never will. Yeah, it's very good endorsement for uh, chucking the ladder predictors out the window because we're, they're fun for the individual doing it, but um, yeah, one one wrong result and it stuffs the whole thing up. Uh, Josh, how do you view this do or die Sydney game for the Crows tonight? 
Sydney have just got strong players on every single line and they're on an incredible role. Obviously, the Crows are fantastic at Adelaide Oval, but how do you see it playing out? Yeah, it's um, it's going to be a good game. I'm, uh, it's a bit of a shame that I'm, I'm, um, I'll be working down there on the bench for the cats and dogs. There's two really good games of footy, mm. two finals shaping games on at the same time. It's a bit of a shame, but um, if you're sitting on the couch doing a bit of tally surfing, you'll be laughing. So I think Rampy coming in for for Sydney's a big one. Um, not giving anything away. I don't think any of the Swans will be listening, but I know, I know. <laughs> For a fact that, that that Taylor Walker doesn't enjoy playing on Dane Rampey. He's got a great record against wow. most other key defenders. But Rampey's one of those guys that really plays you close. He, he's physical. He gives you absolutely nothing. He's not one of those types who's going to sort of come off and make a bad decision and, and leave you in space. So Rampey in is, is a big one. Um, but Rankin in as well for Adelaide. That's a big key for them, particularly at home. You know, if he can get a goal nice and early, perhaps an exciting goal, get the crowd up and about, maybe scare off that young Sydney team. But Sydney have got their mojo going, haven't they? They've, they've been really, really good. Their, their recent performances have been fantastic. Um, yeah, they're in a bit of a winning streak as well. And they look like they've got that kicking, the kick mark game, a little bit of handball receive game back that, that served them so well last year and got them to a grand final. So I think Adelaide need to be careful. You know, Sydney are going to be not not necessarily playing as if there's nothing to lose, but I think Sydney will be willing for this game as well to be quite fast. I think Adelaide want to be the ones to control the tempo, take their opportunities to go fast and give those forwards a chance, but I don't think they want this game to be live play all night. Otherwise, it might actually suit the Swans. Yeah, it will be a fascinating watch. There's no doubt about that. And talking about Mojos, uh, Port Adelaide recaptured their good form last week against the Giants off the back of what was uh, a pretty lean month for them. Heading over west, the Dockers uh, are in some pretty good form. Only have just gone down to a couple of really good sides. Obviously, put uh, the Eagles to the sword, as we all expected. But I reckon could be a little danger game for Port Adelaide if they're, they're not at their best. How do you see that one? Yeah, agree. I reckon this is a genuine banana peel game, but there's so much on the line for, for Port. They, they, yeah, it's just a game where, you know, people want to say last night Brisbane had to win. Well, Port just have to win. You don't, it doesn't really matter what it looks like. It doesn't really matter how you do it as long as you get the, uh, the, uh, the extra win in the win column. So, you know, the power of, have been pretty potent against teams outside the top eight as well. They're the highest scoring team in the competition when they play those those that bottom 10 uh, teams on the ladder. So I think they can get the job done. I think they will get the job done. Um, it would be interesting to see what their, what their mix looks like up forward. Of course, they've had size in and out. Finlayson's form may have just petered a little bit. Um, I'd like to see Marshall jump up and, and really grab a game by the scruff of the neck. I don't see a natural matchup for him from Fremantle. Um, Alex Pierce is probably a bit too cumbersome for a guy like Todd Marshall. Ryan likes to drop off. Maybe Brennan Cox is the one, but I'd love to see Todd Marshall jump up and really have a dominant game, you know, a game where, where he might be the difference between the two teams because, you know, Finlayson's going to be an opportunist. There's no Dixon. I really like the, the look of young Ward, but it's hard to expect him to be a dominant forward in, in you know, in only his first sort of 10, 15 games. He's only a 21-year-old, so... 
I'm looking at Todd Marshall tonight, uh, tomorrow, I should say, and, and saying, I hope you can be the man to, to really carry this Port Adelaide team across the line against Frio. Yep, I uh, tend to agree with you, and hopefully he uh, he can do that for Port Adelaide. Uh, and just bef- one more before we let you go, just a word on Sloney's decision to go around again. We've been debating it all morning. There's been a heap of texts coming through. We have had a caller, Josh. We never have callers <laughs> ring up on our, on our show, but we had a caller about this one, so it's all happening yeah. this morning. Uh, you know him better than most. Do you reckon it was the right call? Uh, some think he might be robbing some minutes if he continues to play next year, but uh, you know him well. Do you reckon it was the right decision? Look, I think we've you never want to you never want to pull someone up and, and stop someone, but I, I think there needs to be, and I think there would have been. Um, we had Adam Kelly with the GM of Footy on on SEM Breakfast over here in Melbourne last week, and it didn't sound positive for Rory. And then Matthew Nix basically came out 48 hours later and and almost guaranteed that he'd go on. Um, I think it helps Bryce, and you know the group well. I think it helps that. There aren't a lot of guys, particularly vocal guys in that in that group. You know, Tex is incredibly vocal. You know, Brody Smith and Rory Laird don't have much to say. Um, I don't know much about Jordan Dawson. He doesn't strike me as the most vocal type, the most outgoing type. So I think that may have helped Sloney, but we may have seen the blueprint. I think he's going to spend a lot of time next year as either subbed in or subbed out of games. Uh, I think there'll need to be times where and I think Geelong have handled it well, you know, not necessarily playing in the SNFL or the VFL, but, but maybe just being rested, being managed. You know, Joel Selwood mm. probably played, you know, three in every four last year. So I think that's the blueprint. I don't think he can play back-to-back-to-back games where he's playing 120 minutes. I do think there's been times this year where he's looked off the pace. He's looked, um, he's looked like he's a step behind some of these young guys. He's not necessarily able to win the one-on-ones that he used to win. So... I think from a leadership perspective, he's going to be important. He might be more important to them Monday to Friday versus what he is for them on the weekend. So never knock someone for getting an extra year on their contract, but I think it'll need to be, you know, along the lines of sub. um, You know, if it's 50-50, it always has to go the way of the young player. Josh, you've echoed my views exactly there. Uh, Thanks for enlightening us with a few, few of your thoughts this morning. Nah, good work, boys. Enjoy the show and uh, <laughs> keep on keeping on. Oh, thank you. You keep on keeping on as well, mate. Thank you. See you, boys. Josh Jenkins there, SEN's very own. Bryce, we're going to get to a break and we're going to preview the Crows and Port Adelaide games in depth up next. This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. It's been a big one. We've had a lot of fun. We've dissected a lot of stuff and you can hear it all on the podcast after the show if you want to catch up on any of it. Bryce Gibbs, we were talking earlier about Devin Robertson's rig. Uh, He had his shirt torn off and he just chucked it away. He just got sick of it. It was like a flapping dress on him and he just chucked it away and we said earlier in the show he would have gained thousands and thousands more followers on Instagram just from that. Now, you've got the stats. <laughs> you've done a deep dive just, into this. Just some useless information for your Saturday morning. Fox Woody have just posted something on Twitter. Fox Woody. He had uh, 11.1 thousand followers on, I'm assuming it's Instagram. Yeah. 
and that was before the shirt came off. And post shirt coming <laughs> off, he's jumped to 19.4 thousand followers. Oh, so my goodness. You dare say majority of those would be female. Female demographic. And yeah. he has just uh, got a but, nice little boost. Yeah, yeah. Nice little ego boost. Nice little boost. On the socials. There may be uh, a lot of male, though. Who, you who never know. Who have swooped I'd, in. I uh, noticed you've started following him, too. So yeah, yeah. Well, there is, yeah. I just want more of that rig stuff, to be frank. Um, Port Adelaide, take on Frio. We've viewed it as a possible banana peel game. Gibber, you... That was Josh uh, Jenkins' analogy, wasn't it? I, yeah, I, I said heard, it too. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, but it's whoop, slip up, you yeah. know, banana yeah, peel. Mario Kart, just uh, yeah. don't run over that. Did it, did, did it, did it. <laughs> I think we've actually got some Nintendo music. It's a bit of uh, old school <laughs> Nintendo there for this game analysis. Right. Um, now, Bryce, now Port Adelaide, banana peel game. You see Frio getting up in an upset. I do. I think this is a potential danger game for Port Adelaide. Now, they shouldn't need any more motivation. There's still a, a top two spot up for grabs, and we all yeah. know how important that's going to be. Imagine them getting two home games here at Adelaide Oval. So you, you'd think the motivation is well and truly there. But the Dockers, I mean, they have been disappointing this mm. year, been uh, you know probably under underproduced from yep. what they did last year anyway. But just their recent form, I mean, they knocked off the Cats down at Geelong, which not many yes. teams can do. They only lost to the Lions, it might have been last week or, or the week we, before, yep. by a, only a kick. And we we know what the Lions have come out and done last night. And I just think they can – I mean, I'm sorry, they beat uh, West Coast, absolutely smashed them by – a hundred points, yeah. but you still need to do that. So mm. that those sort of wins only grow confidence in the group and they'll be looking to finish off the year strong. Last home game for them this year. And I just think Port, they're going to have to play four quarters yeah. in this one to, to get the job done. I think Port can win, but I am going to going to tip Frio in an upset. Yeah. Port Adelaide will want to take some strong form leading into the finals. As we were saying earlier, the statistic, if you lose two or more of your last five games, no team has won the flag from that point in the last decade. Bryce, I was going to ask you this, a couple of questions lingering over Port Adelaide before you get to that. The ruck situation for them is clearly not ideal. They're playing Sam Hayes. He's probably playing for his career right now, I would say. Does that have you asking questions about them going into the finals or can they get by in the ruck? Well, I think they can get by. I mean, they still want to be winning games of footy. They're locked in for a top four spot. So there's no, that's not going to change. So mm. they're just going to be trying to make do until the serious stuff. So, I mean, I really liked even the the ruck combination. If Scott Lysett doesn't come up uh, that, um, that ruck combination of, Finn Mason mm, yeah. and Charlie Dixon last year. That worked really well. But, I mean, Sam Mays, he's just there to fill a role for the next couple of weeks. Finn yep. Mason chopping him out. But not ideal, but uh, they've done what they've needed to do and he'll just fill a void for the next couple of weeks. Yep, it's going to be a fascinating game at 4.10 t- uh, tomorrow afternoon. You'll hear it on SEN and, of course, on uh, Foxtel. You can watch it. But Or KO Bryce, if, you've, if you're that way inclined. Uh, Bryce, it's been a fantastic show. I've enjoyed your company. We're going to get to a break and round things out up next. I'm tipping Port Adelaide for what it's worth. I think they're just going to take some strong form leading into the finals and they th- I think they'll get the job done over Fremantle.
This is Saturdays in SA with Bryce Gibbs and Tom Lyon. Yeah, we're so excited for the weekend of sport ahead. The Tillies, uh, around 5 o'clock, their game gets underway against Sweden. We'll be right behind them, uh, as is with the Crows tonight. Bryce, uh, who have you got for the Adelaide-Sydney game? Yeah, I'm going to tip an upset in this one as well, Tom. I think the Sydney Swans just play a tough brand of footy. Matty Nick's... We heard earlier uh, in his press conference said uh, not only it's his biggest game for the year, but they've modelled their game on the Sydney Swans. So uh, it will be interesting. Uh, A little bit of a stat for you. The magic number for Adelaide, when they kick 80 points at the Adelaide Oval, Mm. they are 9-0. and Right. That is the magic stat. They need to get to 80 points in this one and they'll win. But I think Sydney will win in an upset and they will play finals this year, Tom. Okay. Good luck today, Bryce. We'll keep an eye on that one. Adelaide-Sydney, biggest game of the year for the Crows. Biggest one of Matthew Nix's career. So we'll be watching that keenly. We are broadcasting from SENSA, Studio Lumo at number one King William Street and powered by Lumo Energy SA. Bryce, who are you playing today? Uh, Port Adelaide, get down to Norlunga, come see the Panthers, yeah. get a win. It's going to be an outside game for Bryce. He'll be getting those cheapies. Uh, have a good day, good weekend. Goodbye.